A quick warning. I know the episodes from the first season were family-friendly, but for this season, we're switching it up. Now we're tackling grown-up topics. So I suggest you listen alone first, then decide if you want to play it for your kids. Okay, now onto the show. This episode is called Lie to Me. This is Rendition, a mix of short stories and jokes you can retell to your friends. Each week, you'll hear two or three popular tales based around a common and timeless theme. Because history may not always repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme. I remember this one time when I was six years old in Dominican Republic and I was saved by a lie. Now, let me back up a little. I had a bad case of the hiccups. It had been maybe 20 or 30 minutes. I had tried drinking lots of water. I'd tried holding my breath and nothing worked. My Aunt Hela, who lived with us, was very bright. She pulled me aside for a moment, away from everyone, and said in a really low voice, I know it was you who broke your mom's jewelry box, and I'm going to tell her. I immediately sprang into defense mode. No, 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 no. It wasn't me. I promise. I promise. If you say that, mom's going to believe you, and she's going to punish me. Hela then said, nope, I know it was you, and I'm telling. And by the time I opened my mouth to speak again, I suddenly realized that the hiccups were gone. Hela looked at me with a smirk. It worked, she said. I knew that was the only way to get rid of them. You're welcome. Now, go along and enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Scaring someone is apparently a surefire way to get rid of hiccups. I walked away happy that I was cured, but still feeling uneasy because... I actually was the one who broke my mom's jewelry box. It all happened while I was climbing on top of her dresser, playing. Now, did Hela really know the truth? Or did she make up what she thought was a random lie just to cure me? Well, I was too scared to bring up the issue again. But that example always sticks in my mind. About how we lie to our closest ones often to protect ourselves, but also sometimes for their own benefit. In the Caribbean islands, our culture as a whole has a certain twisted fascination with the effect of lies amongst family and between family. There's a Cuban salsa song from way back in the 80s with a great story. It's called Maria Teresa y Danilo. María Teresa y Danilo son ellos dos personajes que siempre viste de traje y ella se viste de hilo. The song is named after its two main characters, María Teresa, a wife, and Danilo, the husband. 
They are rich and have a great life. And their daughter has just met a great guy that she's going to marry. When the daughter brings the boyfriend home to meet the parents for the first time, her father Danilo immediately pulls her aside. And he tells her, The wedding's off, and it's for your own good. He then goes on to tell her that this boyfriend of hers is actually her older brother from another mother. If Maria Teresa finds out, she'll freak out though. So this little secret must stay between us. The girl is in shock. And after much crying, she goes to her mom, deciding to tell her everything. The mom isn't phased though, and says to the girl, Don't worry, there's no issue here at all. Because that man you call father is not really your dad. Problem solved. The song, which is a story of infidelity and lies, is made out to sound very cheeky and funny. Now, this can only come from people who have accepted that terrible situations are a normal part of life. And that sometimes the only thing that can keep our world from crumbling is a good lie. Even the bad news at the end when the mom tells the girl about her father, even that, at the end of the song, is delivered with a chuckle. Now, I'm not sure if they were inspired by it or not, but there's also an older song yet from Trinidad and Tobago uh, from back in the 60s that also has a similar story, except in this one, it's the boyfriend who's caught in the middle of lies from his parents. The song is called Shame and Scandal in the Family, and it sounds just as playful, if not more, than the salsa song. Now, in this episode, I have three really short stories that revolve around lies and how they can often hurt us, but sometimes even help us. The first one is a funny one. It's short. It has no title, but we'll call it Mom's Visit. A mom visits her son for dinner who lives with a girl as a roommate. During this meal, his mother couldn't help but notice how pretty his roommate was. She had long been suspicious of a relationship between the two and this had only made her even more curious. Over the course of the evening, while watching the two interact, she started to wonder if there's more between him and his roommate. Reading his mom's thought, the son volunteered. I know what you must be thinking, but I assure you, we are just roommates. About a week later, his roommate came to him saying, Ever since your mother came to dinner, I've been unable to find the silver plate. You don't suppose your mother took it, do you? He said, Well, I doubt it. 
but I'll email her just to be sure. He sat down and wrote, Dear Mom, After you visited me, the silver plate has been missing. I'm not saying that you did take the silver plate from my house, and I'm not saying that you didn't take it, but the fact remains that it has been missing ever since you were here for dinner. Love, your son. Several days later, he received an email back from his mother, which read, Dear son, I'm not saying that you do sleep with your roommate, and I'm not saying that you don't sleep with her, but the fact remains that if she was sleeping in her own bed, she would have found the silver plate by now, under her pillow. Love, Mom. Mom won that one. The next story is a really old one. It's over a hundred years old, written by a legendary writer of short stories called Guy de Maupassant. He was French, and that's where this story takes place. It's called The Necklace. She was one of those pretty and charming girls, born as if by mistake of fate into a family of lower-middle-class clerks. She had always imagined herself a part of high society, but she had no expectations or means of ever meeting a rich man that could elevate her and her social standing. So, in her mind, she settled when she married Mr. Loisel, a middle manager at the Department of Education. She suffered endlessly, because she felt entitled to all the delicacies and luxuries of life. One evening, her husband came home with an air of triumph, holding a large envelope in his hand. Look, he said, here's something for you. It was an invitation for the both of them to the Department of Education Ball, a classy affair that her husband knew would make her feel important. But instead of being delighted, she threw the invitation on the table, resentfully, and muttered, What do you want me to do with that? But my dear, I thought you would be pleased. You never go out, and it will be such a lovely occasion. I had awful trouble getting it. Everyone wants to go. It's very exclusive, and they're not giving many invitations to clerks. All the big officers will be there. She stared at him angrily and said impatiently, And what do you expect me to wear if I go? He hadn't thought of that. So, after giving it a moment's thought, using all the money that he was saving to buy a hunting rifle for himself, he gives his wife Mathilde 400 francs to use. And that's a lot of money at this point in time. So Mathilde, the wife, buys a beautiful dress, but is still unhappy because she has no jewels to wear with it. The couple does not have much money left, so her husband suggests that she should buy flowers to wear with it. Mathilde doesn't like this idea, so then the husband suggests borrowing something from her friend, Madame Jeanne Forestier. Mathilde thinks this is a great idea, 
and borrows Madame Forestier's fanciest piece, a huge diamond necklace that will go perfect with her dress. Now, fast forward to the night of the party. At the party, Matilde is the belle of the ball. She looks gorgeous, and everyone has their eyes on her. The women want to be her, the men want to be with her. Then, at 4 a.m., when it was time to go, her husband threw over her shoulders the overcoat to wear in the cold. This was just her regular overcoat, which didn't match her luxury outfit. Meanwhile, all the other women had put on their expensive furs. So she took off the overcoat and hurried outside with her husband, preferring to feel cold than to be embarrassed. After they get home, Mathilde has an awful realization. She's lost the necklace. They retrace their steps and look everywhere, but no luck. She tries to find a quick way to replace it without her friend finding out. And so she goes to a shop the next day and buys a similar necklace for 36,000 francs. This is a huge sum of money for them. So the couple sells everything they own and have to take on loans from friends and loan sharks at high interest rates just to pay for the necklace. Mathilde is relieved when her friend doesn't notice that it's a replacement. From then on, Mathilde knew the horrible life of the very poor. But she played her part heroically. The dreadful debt must be paid. She would pay it. Mathilde looked old now. She had become strong, hard, and rough from the extreme work. And finally, after ten tough years, they were able to pay the debt off. Then, one day, while walking along the Champs-Élysées, suddenly she saw a woman walking with a child. It was Madame Forestier, still young, still beautiful, still charming. Madame Forestier barely recognizes Mathilde because of how much she's aged. But the two women eventually start talking. You remember that diamond necklace that you lent me to wear to the big party? Yes, well. Well, I lost it. What do you mean? You brought it back. I brought you back another exactly like it. And it's taken us ten years to pay for it. It wasn't easy for us. We had very little. But at last, it's over. And I'm very glad. Madame Forestier was stunned. You say you bought a diamond necklace to replace mine? Yes. You didn't notice then? They were very similar. And she smiled with proud and innocent pleasure. Madame Forestier, deeply moved, took both her hands. Oh, my poor Mathilde. Mine was an imitation. It was worth 500 francs at most.
This final story is a funny one. Again, it has no title, but we'll just name it Telephone. An elderly man in Phoenix calls his son in New York and says, I hate to ruin your day, but I have to tell you that your mother and I are divorcing. 45 years of misery is enough. Pop, what are you talking about? The son screams. We can't stand the sight of each other any longer, the old man says. We're sick of each other, and I'm sick of talking about this. So call your sister in Chicago and tell her. And he hangs up. Frantic, the son calls his sister, who explodes on the phone. They're not getting divorced if I have anything to do about it, she shouts. I'll take care of this. She calls Phoenix immediately and screams at the old man. You are not getting divorced. Don't do a single thing until I get there. I'm calling my brother back and we'll both be there tomorrow. Until then, don't do a thing. Do you hear me? And hangs up. The old man hangs up his phone and turns to his wife and says, Okay, honey, they're coming for Thanksgiving. Now, what do we tell them for Christmas? Now those are smart parents. Made-up stories are great because they reveal truths that we might be too scared to tackle directly. And the truth is that as adults, we're desensitized to lies. We know everyone tells them, yet we promote this behavior because on many occasions, we prefer a lie over a fact. For example, do we really want the whole truth when we ask? How does this look on me? The funnier thing about lies is that they feed off each other. They combine and snowball and gain momentum. And ultimately, if we let them keep rolling down the hill, they will cause major damage. It's never a matter of if the truth will come to light. It's really all a matter of when. Okay, guys and gals, I'm so, so glad to be back with this new season of Rendition. I want to thank all of you who supported season one. It was a major hit, lots of downloads, lots of people asking about it, interest in it, um, and lots of cool little side projects uh, for it that might be coming up. Stay tuned for that. Um, but I want to thank you all again for supporting this. Um, make sure you subscribe. Um, I know I've been a little gun-shy with these, um, but I just wanted them to be near-perfect before I start releasing new ones. So, Season 2 is here, um, and i got a lot of cool stuff coming. 
Um, so make sure to subscribe and check back every Tuesday for new episodes with lots of new stories, lots of cool, interesting topics. Um, and I hope you liked this first episode of the second season. And I know for sure that you'll definitely like what's coming next. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. My name is Alex Cespedes. I'll see you next week. Thank you.